but he has many years experience in this space and we'll sort of unpack his career. But in addition to being an OT, ICS cybersecurity leader, he is a father, he's a sailor, he's a pilot, he's a chef, he's a barista, he's a traveler, a motorcycler, a hiker. He's got a lot of kinetic sports, as he and I uh, have discussed, uh, you know, involving things with motion uh, in his personal uh, hobbies and interests. He is from Louisiana. Uh, he's born there, went to school there, and has uh, been able to stay, you know, gainfully employed in our uh, in our industry in a variety of cool positions in Louisiana. So, welcome to the show, Dave. Oh, thank you. You mentioned pilot. I am not a pilot. I would love to be. So I don't remember if, I, if we talked about that one or not. But thank you for the intro. Oh well, yeah. Somehow pilot got onto my list. I mean, I. I was, I <laughs> going in the direction of kinetic i just started adding maybe adding things in <laughs> to kinetic thing. one day uh, that could be your next kinetic sport sport in motion there so well welcome to the show dave i um i always sort of start with the same shtick which is you know cybersecurity leaders are are modern day superheroes and all superheroes have a backstory and uh, i already alluded to sort of a little bit of where you come from where, where do you come from where'd you grow up yeah, I grew up in uh, South Louisiana, uh, born in a small town called New Iberia. Uh, it's known for sugarcane and oil and gas, and uh, kind of grew from there. Oh, awesome. And, you know, I'm always sort of curious. Some people, it's like, nope, it was later. Did technology of any type or, uh, you know, um, hacking in cybersecurity being pretty, you know, sometimes cybersecurity doesn't come up till later, but any of the sort of intersection of technology or operating technology. There's people like, oh, I grew up in my dad's paper plant. You know, when did those themes, either of the, any of those themes sort of intersect with your life? Anything early? Yeah, I didn't realize so much later on, but uh, my dad has a background as a mechanical designer and he taught drafting at the Votech in Lafayette. And this was in the early to mid eighties when we started the transition from board drafting to AutoCAD. So he was an early adopter and teacher of AutoCAD. We were the first family uh, to have a computer at our house. And so I was uh, messing around with AutoCAD, I guess, at probably age five or six. And uh, that was probably my first real technology exposure there. Yeah, well, that and so that may uh, may have paved uh, or opened the door, at least, to some of the things that uh, you ended up uh, doing. That's, that's interesting. So when you graduated high school, uh, what did you decide to do? I uh, graduated high school, went to LSU. My goal was to be an engineer. Uh, my calculus grades said otherwise, and uh, so I I failed up into management information systems. Hey, uh, of the challenging category, yeah, calculus. I unfortunately took advantage of some advanced placement credits in high school to make <laughs> for third calculus. That was untrue. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, so uh, information systems and um any themes there that do come to mind anything you're thinking about applying it to or internships or any sort of exposures to to what you end up doing first no it's an interesting time because uh you know this was the late 90s you know we had the dot-com bubble at the time it was like oh man everybody that's going in information systems is going to graduate with these great great jobs right and i graduated from lsu in 2001 and, and okay. so if you want a history lesson, uh, I was on an interview in Houston when Enron collapsed I and mean, took Arthur Anderson down with it. I think 9-11 happened then. All the smartest people in my class had offers from Enron and Arthur Anderson and similar companies. And uh, so it was, a, it was an interesting time. You know, the dot-com bubble had bust. Y2K had moved, moved beyond us. And uh, it, was, it was definitely an interesting time, like economically. But being in Baton Rouge, being around all the chemical plants, manufacturing facilities. Um, you know, I ended up getting on with with Total doing application support and 
system administration at a chemical manufacturing facility. And that's kind of where I started. Yeah. So this makes sense. Now, at the time, is that in the IT side of the house or are you getting exposure to the technology in the operating environment? I was in the IT side of the house uh, working yeah. in a plant. I remember my, you know, the the system and uh, the, I guess they were the PCN administrators or the DCS administrators, like asking us for help for stuff. This, these are the early days of, you know, IT and OT convergence. Yeah. And, you know, my boss being like, hey, yeah, don't talk to those guys. They're going to call you on the weekend if they, if you get to know uh, what they do. And uh, I didn't listen. So. <laughs> love that you shared that because uh you know there's a common story i mean one question that we get like where do people come from in this space you know are they it people that learn a little bit about operating technology are they ot people or control system engineers that learn a little bit about cyber you know of course the answer is all the above people come from a lot of different backgrounds and so i like sort of the nexus of of where you come from and but that that early so that early like hey these are two different groups and they operate differently they talk a little bit different and we're still dealing with that in the space but clearly you weren't early. What I liked about you sharing, you were early, like, hey, I'm going to talk to them, which we got to get more people to do even now, all these years later. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it worked out well, you know, just getting to know those guys. And, you know, you never know in your career what you're getting value from, right? At that time, like, oh, man, I'm be a database administrator, right? Data mining. I'm going to do all this, like, big data stuff. And, you know, but I ended up hanging out with the DCS guys, hanging out with pipe fitters, hanging out with operators. And, just being around those folks and absorbing that operational culture. It was very little about the technology I learned at that time, right? It was all about you know, personalities and priorities and what actually goes on in operations. That was just super valuable for me. Uh, I'm keen to, you know, we will obviously get back to your, you know, well, well, what next? Your career path, but we got to poke at this because this I think is, you know, all these episodes, there's what I call gold nuggets just drop out of them. And this is a big area you just did either natural you're you know that's the way you were oriented or you know i don't know maybe you can say what led you to do that there is there's still dysfunction in some organizations the opposite of what you just described hey let's hang out together what are you doing you know and it sounded like maybe there was trust there that we know is not in some places so you know what would you encourage um and we may come back to this theme too sort of encouraging people to do we have people in operating technology that don't trust the people over in it and you know and IT will say, we want to help, but they, you know, they won't let us come over. All, all sorts of levels of things that are like, oh, my God, we, we got to get past this. Any advice there? I mean, and why were you so open to like, hey, hanging out with, like you said, the DCS people? I'm just a friendly guy, you know? I mean, and really it evolved more socially, right? It's, it's having lunch with folks. It's, it's really the, the things that aren't so much about like, hey, we have this critical task and how are we going to work together on this thing? It's like, hey, you know, it, and you, you see that a lot, I think, when you talk to plant people, right? Like you have the opportunity to work spend a whole lot of time with the people that you work with and you know really get to know people on a personal level. And I think that's where we were really successful there. And you know, in consulting, it's a lot different challenge, right? Where you're supposed to walk in and gain that trust right away. And I still find myself, you know, kind of reaching back to those memories and just kind of understanding, getting to know people's lives, their priorities, you know, just how they work day to day and, and really understanding where each other is coming from. So assume good, right? And break down those territorial walls that seem to exist within organizations. Yeah. Well, I, knowing the space like I do, that has to have served you very, very well in what in all the years since then, the, the, the professional services roles and things of helping people, just having empathy and understanding terminology. We just got to get more people who aren't naturally doing that to just say, okay, I'm going to open up the door. I'm going to reach across with my hand and say, Let, let's get to know each other. And I, I, you popped another theme out there, which is the social 
you know, people are like, well, do we need to, you know, do more wargaming together? I'm like, okay, putting aside tabletop exercises, other things you might do, you could go have a beer together. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's an interesting challenge that we have now, right? Especially as, as everybody's getting so virtual, you know, trying to build a team yeah. Um, yeah. virtually. You know, the work is fine, you know, especially if we're all experienced and professionals, but, but really having the opportunity to break bread with somebody or have a drink, uh, you know, we don't prioritize that enough i find today and i like to find opportunities to travel to my customers or travel to my coworkers, or find opportunities to get creative about how we build that community uh, across whether that's organizations or you know customers or whatever that is i think building community is important yeah i'm i am right there with you which is is really sort of how i find myself doing what i'm doing now it's all about sort of community development and i'm i'm finding it uh you know worthwhile fulfilling and and uh you know it, it's important right we've got to build more community even within our company that's true let alone across you know across all sorts of different industry verticals and geographies and all sorts of things it's it's le- it's true at all the at all the levels i i had a, somebody uh recently tell me a leader you know talking about distrusting not liking person x over in the other side of the business and then they had some he i forget what he said it was rock climbing or whatever offsite he said, you know what? We got to know each other. He said, man, things have been totally different ever since. This is the same person, yeah. but they had a bonding experience, you know? So I'm, I'm a big, big fan of face-to-face just like you are. So almost seven years at Petrochemical Company, looking at how all that stuff, sort of the nexus of all these IT and OT things, convergence is happening while you're, you know, while you're there for sure. What, what happens? What's next for that? Yeah. You know, I wanted to do more. I think, you know, at some point I'm replacing systems that I had installed, you know, four years ago and i'm like man i'm you know i was at a plant i was still in my 20s i think and everyone's like oh yeah this place is great we got a pension we're gonna work here until we retire i'm like man i got a little bit more time i think than you guys do started thinking about my next move just coincidentally uh you know through some different connections ended up meeting louis luke and jonathan klein who ended up being the the co-founders of simation at the time they didn't have a name uh they were just two guys working at an EPC that clearly had a dream and a ton of energy. I had had a ton of experience actually doing things. And I just thought, man, I think we could do some good things together. And there was just a point in my life that you take a risk and make a leap. And, uh, you know, it took a little bit of a career change because up until that time, you know, I had been exposed to both, you know, the IT and OT side of the house, but hadn't really jumped feet first into, you know, OT and ICS. And, you know, just kind of went for it. Went to see yeah, what happened. Summation is a great, you know, a great story. You know, obviously touch on Accenture because you, you ended up there because Accenture acquired Summation. But Summation is one of those uh, companies, you know, that uh, became known for expertise in this, you know, in this particular uh, particular area. And, um, yeah, you, if I understood you sort of chronologically, you, you joined it pretty early. I joined it four months before it was founded. So, yeah, we, we spun off of a, a BPC called Audubon engineering uh here in new orleans and and so i joined that company and then we you know the first of the year spun off simation so they won till the end yeah that's cool as a career sort of entrepreneur and founder of companies co-founder of companies i i, I love that you know that that part yeah. of it There's, like those early days they're not always easy but when looking back they're uh, they're sort of they're amazing opportunities to sort of build something from scratch or nearly from scratch Absolutely. It's the good old days and you're too busy when you're there to realize what's happening, but yeah. <laughs> you look yeah. back and appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, what sort of things as far as control systems, cybersecurity, uh, you know, experiences or stories or, or, or challenges, if you recall any sort of interesting stories or challenges during those summation years as you guys are you know, forming that, 
not necessarily a ballot summation, although it could be. It could have been, you know, out in the field. Any sort of particular sort of pivotal moments that you can think of or recall? No, that's a great question. Let me think about that one for a second. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, those were times of great change in, in our space or great evolution. You know, at the time I started, you know, this was, I think, 2008. You know, nobody was really out there focused on OT. I, I don't think OT was a word we used yet. You know, we were still trying to figure out, like, how to brand what we did. Right. And and I think we didn't initially start with like a cybersecurity focus. We're like, oh, this is industrial IT. Right. We were a sure. system integrator and, and we were delivering a lot of control systems and control systems at the time. There's a lot of uh, we did a lot of upstream and midstream oil and gas. Um, so we're doing like offshore oil platforms uh, mostly. It was like the first big project I did at Simation. And, you know, the system integrator teams hadn't fully figured out that they were starting to deliver pretty complex systems. You know, it went from delivering a, a PC that connected to a PLC and maybe had a switch in there somewhere. So, you know, I walked into a project where like, oh yeah, we have, you know, we have four servers, we have switches, we have a fiber network, you know, we have all these PLCs, it's gonna be the top size for an oil platform. And I don't think anybody had really thought about what that meant, right? Nobody that really knew what four servers looks like had looked at that, right? It's just like called Dell or, corner of the room and, and you're good, right? Yeah, they're like, yeah, we're just gonna put it in, you know, the, they're calling the server rack a panel and shoving it against the wall, right? And you're like, I don't think any of this works like that, right? And so just, you know, real basic, fundamental, yeah. hey, we should have malware detection and, and what are we gonna do about patching these things? Just, you know, how are we gonna harden these operating systems? Like, no one had thought about that, yet. yeah. And so we started just, you know, approaching it at what became probably OT security, just from a real fundamental, you know, OT, IT hygiene of how to roll these systems out and have them work. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was probably imagine, my first experience around you know, what, what we would call security. Yeah. And I can imagine based on the story you've already shared that you went into it, you were informed from both areas. So you, know, you weren't recommending, well, we'll just, you know, just reboot it if it doesn't work. You already knew about resilience and reliability and all these yeah. things that yeah, new members come from IT backgrounds and don't yet know that. And we know that one of our missions these days is learn the vocabulary. There's some other stuff over here, but your origin story at, uh, uh, at Total, you, you were talking to these guys like, we're not going to go down. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense as you start to do advisory services for those sorts of folks. It's like there are some best practices and some things that we can do, but not everything we do in IT can we do over here. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, that's cool. So yeah, what was this from Simation's story? I mean, I don't even know. You you went from joining before it launched to how many people were part of it before it was acquired? Yeah, so when we started, we had 10 people, one office. I think the largest we got was about 270 people. I think we had six or seven offices. We had spun up a couple of international offices in, in England and in the Netherlands and had reached some scale. Yeah, we had really, we thought yeah. we were big uh, until I got to Accenture and realized we were not big at all. Yeah, with all perspective, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about uh, some things along along this way, especially in those early years. Uh, you know, people are are always asking. You know, there's there's four or five different themes I always try to bring out because you 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 all have some different perspective. We have our entry, you know, our earlier career path people saying, "How do I get into the space?" Now, we obviously you just shared how you got into it, but let's say somebody wants to intentionally get into it and they're not, and let's say they are. You know, you you could pick either any origin story, but if, if nothing else there, let's say they are an engineer and they want to, you know, add cybersecurity to it, or if you want to flip that and say they're, you know, they're an IT person and, 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 you know, how do they get their paths to converge and how do they become OT cybersecurity, you know, qualified and smart? Yeah, that's a, 
That's an interesting one. And that's a problem early on in my journey I've tried to solve because I did it by accident. You know, a lot of us have probably done it by accident, but but as I work to grow teams, you know, I've, I've recruited, I've hired, I've mentored tens of people, maybe a hundred people. And it's, it's still a hard skill set to find, right? There's a few universities now that we go talk to that I'm like, oh, these people are actually learning the skills, but there's still no replacement for getting some of that experience. So I look at it more, you know, from what I look for when I'm out recruiting, right? And it's either somebody with an IT background that has at least driven past a plant in their life are, are like, it's funny, I, I gravitate to people who just, you know, come from towns or come from areas where they're around manufacturing. They have family members that are in the oil field, right? Like just that almost by osmosis thing that I kind of got growing up, just, you know, being able to, to understand the priorities because, you know, I've tried to take people with pure IT backgrounds, like that were in, you know, media or just other industries that have no exposure. And it's just total fish out of water, right? You have to get that somehow. You can't just dive right into OT security. And so it's, I would look for roles, even just straight up, if you're coming from the IT world, even straight up IT roles with, you know, manufacturing companies, you know, oil and gas companies, companies that are adjacent to or, or in this space, and then approach that with an open mind, get mixed up with the operations folks, get mixed up with the control system folks and, and you know, find opportunities to, to learn that. You know, coming from the, the engineering side, I almost want to say it's easier uh, just because you're in it, right? You're a control systems engineer. And if you're, you know, when I find control system engineers or instrumentation engineers that are just technology minded, right? Like a lot of times it's, it's people that are doing you know, engineering as their day job and then technology stuff on the side. And then it's, you know, just, just stay curious, right? Stay curious about technology, stay curious and educate yourselves on just as many things as you can. Because what I find is, is the people that are successful in our industry have such a, a broad base of knowledge. You know, when you get into, at least from what I've seen in, in OT security versus, you know, other security career paths, it's a lot, the most, most of the people that are successful are a lot less specific, right? There's not a whole lot of like specific penetration testers just doing OT security, right? It's like, hey, you gotta understand a whole lot of things to really go in and do a full assessment of a network and not just going, okay, I'm gonna go hack this thing and be successful at OT security. So I don't know if that answers the question, but that's kind of my two schools of thought around folks that, that get into this is, uh, yeah, stay curious, talk to people, expose yourself to as much as you can, as often as you can in the real world, because I, I don't think there's a great academic path or training path to get where we wanna be. Yeah, not presto changeo, you went through this and so poof, you popped out and you have everything you need. It just, yeah, that, that probably doesn't exist in most places. It certainly doesn't exist here. I, I think that's, I think you're right. There's an accumulation of experiences. I mean, it, you know, the term that I've now heard multiple people say is if you find someone truly understands operating technology environment and truly understands cybersecurity to any depth is a, is a unicorn. And now people say, no, that's a purple unicorn. Unicorns are hard to find. Purple unicorns are <laughs> harder. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but but we don't need everybody to be a master of everything, right? We we need some people to be cross-trained and be able to be on teams together, right? I mean, it, it, can you talk about that? I mean, there's people saying, I know I've got to build up my organization. You're talking to some of more senior people out there, managers out there that are trying to build cross-functional teams and get people together. Any any advice in, in that area? I think that's, people are struggling with that. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. And, you know, you have to find those opportunities and it, it's it's challenging to do at a huge scale but you gotta you know you gotta start somewhere and it's you know for me i've always bring in a, a person with an it background and find those opportunities to get them involved in 
you know, OT or ICS, you know, we're lucky to be a part of an integrator here, right? And so, you know, have them go program some stuff, right? Get some exposure. I went to a Honeywell a DCS training class in Phoenix for two weeks because we had a bunch of extra training budget, right? Like I, I'm never going to do anything on Honeywell, but it's, it's just find those opportunities to get that cross training to happen, whether that's on a project, whether that's, like you said, building that cross-functional team to at least start talking and learning each other's languages or, you know, find some, 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 you know, training opportunities to, to get folks exposure. I would say exposure is probably the, the key, yeah. right? More than it is, like you said, where there's any end up knowledge, it's it's just finding opportunities to get teams that exposure to each other to the technologies. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Exposure is a great sort of watchword there. Um, create it where you can, seek it out where you can. If your company's not creating it for you, go seek it Absolutely. out. And uh, like you started this whole interview, it's like just go reach your hand out, say hey, <laughs> go, yeah. go get the exposure where you can get it. That makes sense. What, what were your stay role? Interested, stay curious. Yeah, stay curious. I love I love that too. That's another good advice for everybody in this space. And no matter what level, I had. I mean. The, the last interviewer I had is had 24 years in the military and almost 24 years since the military. He's like, he, he said something similar. It's like, you keep learning and keep reading. If you stop doing that, you're you're not staying impressed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sure. What kind of roles as you evolved? I'm sort of curious from my own entrepreneurial, you know, standpoint. You know, being as early as you're with Nation, what kind of things did you do? Yeah. So my first roles were doing, you know, I guess what we would call OT integration, uh, ICS security on some of our existing system integration projects because I was the first person with this kind of skill set on the team. So I was like, hey, we're finding something to do. And there really wasn't that much of it to do. And I was doing a lot of like database design administration in my last job. So we were also just starting to get involved with Inductive Automation, who has the Ignition SCADA platform. So I actually, to stay billable and stay busy, did some programming and implementation of some, some Ignition systems. You know, I learned Wonderware just to have something to do. I got to know how to program, but ultimately I was focused on that. And then on the infrastructure and security side of control systems, and then really moved a lot into, you know, project and program management, leading both the, the security implementation as well as just our overall uh, controls and automation scope on some, some larger uh, integration and security projects. But no, at, you know, as we grew, you know, my career trajectory there, I always stayed kind of in that, you know, OT security, OT infrastructure, SME role, in addition to project management, in addition to eventually being the, at our biggest, I was the director of operations for our New Orleans office. We had grown to about 50 people in New Orleans and, you know, I was responsible for that as a, as a P&L manager uh, and leader on that team. In addition to small companies, we have a lot of hats, a lot of plus ones. Sorry, and, um, <laughs> sorry, probably about Red Group, but uh, even more over here. So. <laughs> And that is the nature of uh, those kind of companies. Anybody who's listening who's, who hasn't been in an early stage company and wants, you know, change in their life, there are a number of earlier, younger, smaller, whatever you want to call them, companies now emerging in the space. If you've got the risk profile for it, go do it. You will wear a lot of hats. You will have every day be a little bit different. It's not for everybody, but I, uh, it, for some people, it's it's an amazing new chapter. Yeah. No, it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge, I think, you know, to balance the you know, the technical piece, you know, for us, the, the client facing acquisition delivery piece with the, hey, I'm running a small business, right? Like, you know, we're doing open enrollment next week. Like, you know, just, yeah. just all of that has to happen for things to keep moving. And yeah. uh, it, it's a lot of uh, conflicting interests to try and balance and keep the whole yeah. shit moving forward. Back on, uh, you said, you know, uh, you're, I don't forget your exact phrase to learn, you know, learn something about Wonderware. Did you do that? I mean, were you as part of 
during between in the middle of the day as part of work or did you say i'm going to go off and learn this system what, what did you actually do say i'm going to go ahead and i'm going to add sort of how underwear works to what i'm <laughs> to what i know about you know how- well, we were working on projects and i needed something to do and so i went in there and started drawing some screens that needed to get done you know we were a small growing team we had more work than people and you know i just jumped in as a role player and started knocking some stuff out awesome well that's probably then another advice nugget there which is you know jump right in can people if someone let's say they're not their team is not implementing something they they see a technology you know whatever it is now today they can do a lot of sort of self-paced learning about a lot of these third-party systems just on your own if you're not doing day-to-day but you want to add that to your resume you 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 can you make some progress there right oh totally you know there's you know there's two ways we acquire these new skills right it's it's fake it till you make it i guess uh for lack of a better term, right? Commit yourself to doing something that you have no clue how to do or really aren't qualified to do and fight your way through it. And in the end, you're probably an expert on that. Or it's the the self-paced, self-study, right? Watch some YouTube videos, get some trial copies of some software, or some technologies, and, yeah. you know, nights and weekends, banging out and learn on some stuff, you know? Especially, you know, small companies like ours, we don't have huge training budgets, right? The cost for us to take somebody out of work for a week and send them to a training class somewhere is, is pretty big, right? It's a pretty big expense for a small company. So, you know, the more people can pick up stuff like that on their own, you know, as side gigs, just to, to stay interested, stay curious and yeah. learn some stuff, the better it is. So, so if you, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth and you can say, well, oh, not quite, but I like to cut to the chase for some of our listeners. Like, well, how can I do this? Could an IT person, IT cyber person, if they came and applied for a job and said, look, I, my background is, is formal IT, but I've studied, to, you know, don't overplay their hand. But to some degree, I've studied these three operational technology systems. I've gotten everything I could get my hands on. I haven't implemented it, but I've, uh, you know, I can hold a conversation with you about these three uh, systems made by Honeywell, Rockwell and Yokogawa. That'd be pretty impressive in, in the process, right? That would be a differentiator for me, you know, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm talking to candidates, right? That would get me excited. You know, it's kind of personal on my team. So and they didn't, they didn't in the, the nuance there is they didn't even tell you they're experts in it. That would overplay their hand. They could just say, I'm digging into it. And they couldn't lie about it because you could talk about it and you'd know real quick that they were making it up. But if they had been studying it and reading manuals, looking at some of the online stuff and could talk about the way the system works and sort of the, the Purdue model, you'd know soon enough that that was true and that they were naturally inquisitive enough to go do all that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's a, when somebody's doing that, you know, Back to me being the the hirer or the recruiter or interviewer in, in that situation, but it's that you know it's that hunger and that intelligence that draws me to people more than it is you know hey I've got five years of experience with this specific technology right because I mean yeah it's great if I need somebody that knows this exact thing at this exact moment that's great but the person I want on my team is somebody that's flexible that's hungry that's intelligent that's going to figure out whatever we put in front of them and by showing hey i've already done that right i'm doing this right now on my own to learn these things and here's what i've learned like that's that's invaluable super super okay that's cool i i hope i don't know that it's ever come up quite like that in some of these interviews but i'm looking for tangible things like just do something like this yeah. <laughs> people can walk away with it. absolutely yeah yep. be curious um, yeah yeah stay curious keep learning uh you know that's that's yeah for, for life <laughs> Serve, ever, serve us all well. So, Summation, uh, you know, talk a little about becoming part of Accenture and uh, was around 2016. So, we're talking, uh, what is it, eight years ago or, or no, six yeah, years Yeah, I guess it was 2016. Those, those years all start to blur together. But yeah, we reached a certain size, got acquired by Accenture. It was a journey. I, I think anybody that's been through a large acquisition like that, it, uh, they're interesting. I learned a lot. You know, we, we originally got in there. And it was this whole feeling out process, right? Because Accenture is a giant 
technology consulting firm. Very little knowledge about industrial control systems. A lot of knowledge about security. And so the, the security integration went pretty well for us because I think there was definitely, you know, Accenture had a very large growing security practice and was very interested in, in bringing on board our OT and ICS security knowledge. And so that was pretty exciting. There was a lot of stuff already queued up there. Where like, hey, yeah, we, you know, we're talking to these people about these things and we really need to credentialize ourselves. And so bringing, you know, folks like myself and our team and the Simation brand into that was really valuable and uh, really exciting. You know, got into a lot of big global deals that just, you know, we didn't have the size or scale uh, to really be able to pursue that Simation. Yeah. Right? So yeah. It, was, it was really exciting. At the same time, you know, a lot of the stuff we did on the more system integration, engineering, control system side was a little bit outside of uh, the Accenture wheelhouse. And so it was a lot more challenging integrating some of those pieces. And I was involved in both, uh, you know, as kind of a lead of an office and, and a leader in the firm. And so uh, it was a journey. It was a journey. Yeah, I bet. And, you know, it's uh, you stayed there, though, for more than four years. And so you were there. You know, a lot of people sometimes after the acquisitions, you know, they're, they're not around very long. You stayed, I would say you stayed the course. Yeah, I stayed the course. I think a lot of that went back to my beginnings as a as an IT person, right? You know, Accenture was a big respected IT brand, you know, coming out of school. I was like, oh, Accenture's hiring a lot of smart people, right? They're doing this cool thing. So like, to me, that was always like a good thing. I was like, ooh, Accenture, that's cool, right? Like, I'm, I'm proud to work here. I was excited about working there. For a lot of our team, you know, they're like, man, we came to Simation to work at a small company. We're engineers, right? Accenture is a big tech firm. And so the, the alignment wasn't quite as strong. So yeah, I gave it a good run. I, I had a great four years there, you know, worked with some amazing people and some amazing projects. I learned a lot. You know, we grew a pretty nice sized team there and it was really quite an experience. Yeah, I bet. And, and very different. I mean, you, your story is sort of these different types of organizations from petrochemical company to small company that became intermediate company to huge company. Now back yep, yep. to back to a specialized company, right? Yes, sir. Yep. So talk a little bit about, uh, you know, that. And I think there's, I noticed, you know, when I was sort of looking into your background, there's names. Some of you have been working together at all these companies. Oh, and, man. Yeah. Right? We're putting the band back together over here, yeah. I guess. I'm trying. No, it, it, it's, that's kind of how it worked. You know, the, so, so I'm at Red Group now. I had met Kyle Remont, who's the founder and president of Red Group, probably 10 years ago or 15 years ago. I was doing a project and we were both small New Orleans companies at the time and uh, I needed some panels built and they had a small panel shop and, uh, you know, we did some business back then and kind of stayed in touch over the years. And uh, yeah, as, as you know, I was at Accenture, you know, doing the Accenture thing, but kind of longing for that excitement, that small company, you know, that growth story. And, you know, a couple of former colleagues were over here and uh, we started talking and they were trying to start up a, an OTD, an ICS security practice, and um, wanted somebody to help launch that. You know, why not? You know, and so, in New Orleans. So, I mean, so that's they your New Orleans. You had yeah. your criteria list, which is I love Louisiana, and it's not that too. <laughs> I wasn't looking to leave Louisiana, and uh, I had an office here. You know, we were at Accenture. It was the middle of COVID, and so we had gone like full on virtual. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, human contact, these guys were working in an office, right? They were having a Christmas party in 2020. And I was like, man, like, yeah, let's go do that. And um, I appreciated what, what they were, uh, what we were working on building here. And I wanted to be a part of it. So I made that jump and, and jump feet first back into a uh, 
small growing company. Yeah. So I, I think there's a there's a theme that I'd like to draw out. You know, looking at some of the names that I know that I've bumped into or I'm aware of who they are. You know, Jonathan, uh, you know, Klein and and Lewis and uh, you know these names. You guys have been connected, networked together. So talk a little bit about that and the power of long-term relationships. I think, you know, it's sometimes we go, oh, that's obvious, right? Build long-term relationships and they're going to be really valuable over your career. But a lot of people don't really understand how that works, especially if they're earlier, you know, in their career path. Um, you know, do you just meet people and swap cards and like, boom, and now we have a relationship? And, you know, is it all about meeting as many people as you possibly can? You know, wh- wh- how do you build, how did you build your relationships? And obviously doing good work over time with each other is, there's nothing nothing better than that. But what other factors you know, go into sort of the fabric of your network, which is quite strong. No, it's interesting because I, I would say I'm an introvert. If I can't tell we're on a podcast, I'm selling my personal story and brand here. But, um, you know, I'm not, I don't think I've ever been to a networking event on purpose. Maybe I've gone once as like a company, like, hey, go to this networking <laughs> event. But, you know, if there's a networking event, I'm holding the wall up in the corner, right? Like I, I'm not outgoing. I, I'm not a networker. And so, you know, for me, it really is that it's getting on teams with people with a a shared goal, a shared focus that's meaningful and making the best of that. And I think, you know, those early days of of Simation, we really, you know, it feels like lightning in the bottle. I know we worked really hard to, to put together that team of people. And that's a core group of people that were doing a great thing and a great time. And, you know, we've all gone a lot of different ways since then and really kept in touch. So, you know, most of my network, honestly, is it's customers, it's coworkers, it's vendors, it's, it's people I've had the opportunity with, you know, opportunity to work with over the years and maintain those relationships. And, and just we've all gone different places. I think for one time we... Uh, we had a fantasy football league at Simation, and as you know, everybody went different ways. We would still meet once a year with this fantasy football league, and uh, you know, it's just people that all worked at different companies now, right? We're all talking about what we're doing and what we're seeing out in the market and, and how things are going, and, and it's 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 really that. It's been that for me. I, I haven't intentionally tried to network, I guess, in my life. What's your attitude on you know this industries and not that large you know we're only a couple of degrees separation from each other not burning bridges you know there's maybe some earlier people earlier in their career path that blow up a bridge a relationship uh only to find that not that many years later maybe wishing they hadn't done that you know it's it's too small of a community for that yeah i would say that times 100 anywhere in life right whether that's you know leaving a job leaving a project you know starting a job it's letting an employee go like whatever that is you know, uh, always approach that with, with, you know, honesty and good intentions and, and openness and yeah, burning bridges is it's, there's no reason to, right. There's no reason to, to, to burn a bridge, to ruin a relationship for I don't know, any reason. I can say. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it behooves us to sort of think in terms of, we may not be working together now, but we may be able to do something for each other in the future. And uh, I, I take that to all my sort of interactions if I can, you know, absolutely. The perfect science, but the attitude of that, which is every relationship is valuable to some degree. Who knows when and who knows why? Uh, but you know, but it, but it's probably probably turns out to be true over time. So, what about mentorship and you know, being a mentor, being a mentee, has that played a role in your career path? Informally, in my career, I think I probably didn't realize it while it was happening. While it was happening, and you know, as a leader now in a company, uh, I'm trying to find a way to formalize that to make it happen more because it doesn't always happen organically. But, you know, for me, I think just being around some leaders and some, you know, really forward thinking people in my career, whether that's my dad growing up 
or the leaders at Simation or you know some of the operations folks that I worked with at the plant had those informal mentor-mentee relationships. But definitely, I think it's it's always good to be looking at you know who's doing things I want to do or that are interesting to me that I can learn things from and always be looking for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good advice as well. If you had to go back, let's say, uh, and talk to the younger younger Dave, uh, just start now before going to Total, any advice that you would give younger Dave? Other than things we've already talked about, you know, I suppose you've already <laughs> fenced a little bit of advice, but anything else come to mind that you, you'd say if I were sitting down and talking to my younger self, I'd tell him this? It's interesting. I'm always more forward looking than backward looking, you know, but there's things I've learned I guess in my career that have that have helped me that I've shared with other people and one of those is storytelling and that was something that Accenture really focused on was was storytelling and you know like I said I'm introverted you know the idea of sitting on a podcast right now and talking to my about myself is something that that 10 years ago I've been like no like what are what are you talking about this is ridiculous <laughs> but being able to tell your story you know whether that's you know I've always thought it's funny. I'll go walk up to people and say, hey, man, what are you working on? Right. And, and a lot of times people are just, ah, nothing. You're right. Or, oh, it's this little thing. You know, it's things that we don't think are important because, you know, they might not be technically challenging, but it's it's interesting to someone. And, and be able to take, you know, either things you've done or things you're working on and talk about that is something that, that it took me a long time in my career to realize the value of. And I would probably tell myself to figure that out a little bit earlier. And uh, have some stories to tell. Great, great advice. What are you excited about looking ahead to the future? You know, we're a we're about a thirty person company right now. I think we've tripled in size the past two years, and uh, it's been a challenge. And I'm looking forward to uh, you know really maturing what we're doing here at Red Group. You know, over the past couple of years, we've we've or the past year, we've opened two new offices. We've brought on some key team members, and really starting to get that scale that we can do a lot of the interesting things that we want to do. Whether that's investing in talent, investing in offering development, you know, bringing on some new clients that we're a little bit skittish about. Oh, you guys are really small. Uh, I'm just really excited about you know professionally here on this team what we're going to have the opportunity to do over the next year or two. Um, so that's what that's what I'm looking forward to over the next uh, couple of years. Yeah, awesome. Any specific technologies that you think are new that are going to be exciting and make a big change in our space or a big impact? No. All right. Artificial Please. intelligence, machine learning, blockchain. <laughs> I could throw out a bunch of buzzwords. Any of those do anything for you? Man, it's funny. I, I, for being in a technology field and everything being focused on tech, I'm not a technology guy. I don't like wake up and go, oh man, like what's the next big like game changing technology that I need to be worried about? Yeah. You know, the big thing I'm, you know, we're talking about right now that keeps popping up is, is zero trust and, you know, how we can take that philosophy and implement it in the OT space because it's not clean, right? There's not a product or a technology or a thing that uh, we can say, hey, go out and buy this thing, right? And you got zero trust, right? It's really this whole operating model, this whole philosophy, this architecture that, you know, as an OT security industry, you know, we have to figure out how to solve that problem because our customers are asking for it, the government is mandating it. And, you know, we haven't completely answered that question yet. And uh, it's something I'm spending a lot of time right now kind of thinking about how we're gonna answer that, how we're gonna help our clients on that journey to implement as much as they can, right? And, you know, push on the industry and the vendors out there to start delivering solutions that are more compliant with what we need. 
I'm glad you brought that up and used the word philosophy. Um, that word comes, you know, zero trust or words, I guess, keep, keep coming up. People ask a lot of our speakers during our Q&A sessions, you know, about it, even if they weren't speaking about it, it's, it's coming up all the time. And it's because it's got different connotations and different means and certainly stuff in the IT realm that don't necessarily transport. But the philosophy does, the concept of instead of we trust everybody, let's have all these connections. You know, what about we say we don't trust anybody? We make, you know, we make connections on a known basis. You know, it, it makes yep. sense, but it is a philosophy. And, and it's it's causing some level of stress or discomfort among people because they're like, oh, what does this mean to me? Or, you know, what, what can I do? And there are vendors who maybe use it a, a bit uh, broadly. Uh, yeah. 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 No, we haven't quite aligned on really what it means yet, right? Because I, I was yeah. in a conversation the other day like, well, how do we put multi-factor authentication on a PLC, right, for zero trust? I'm like, I don't think that's what it means, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think we need to approach this from a different direction. Right? We can't just yeah. take this solution and go, okay, well, we shall do that here because it's yeah. just not, it's not that clean. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Well, Dave, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you are up for it, I always like to end the show with uh, something I've borrowed from another show, which they borrowed from another show as I came to find out. So I, I liked watching Inside the Actor's Studio on A&E for years, ran for decades. It may still be running, but the longtime host, James, Lips, James Lipton, has passed on. But he used yep. to interview all the great actors and actresses. I think you, you and I talked, you'd seen the show. And uh, he ended the show always with the Pivot questionnaire, which I come to find out borrowed from a French show. And so it's the exact same, as far as I know, exact same 10, 10 questions that they asked in the French show and he asked for decades on his stage. Uh, and so if you're ready for it, I'll ask you the same questions. Yeah, let's go. I don't know if I'll have great answers, but. You know. Let's do it. Let's see what happens. What is your favorite word? Man, I used curiosity a lot in this one. So it's somewhere between curiosity and skepticism, I, I would say are my favorite words. What is your least favorite word? Probably failure, failure. What turns you on, either creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? You know, we talked in the intro about kinetic energy. Uh, I like things that move, uh, you know, whether that's cars or boats or planes or rockets. I watched the launch last night of the Artemis rocket. Like, uh, that stuff gets me excited. What turns you off? What turns me off? That's a great one. There's something I'm thinking of and I'm not finding the word for, but I would say it's know, negativity. Just, you know, when people come into an interaction assuming that the other person has bad intentions right i, I would assume people have good intentions and they're just you know maybe not the same as mine right? uh, but it's that it's that oh man that guy's you know evil or he has bad intentions i just don't believe in that oh what is your favorite curse word or abbreviation so anyway, the definition of curse words is interesting and you know not to get too long-winded but i um i had to do career day at my first graders class several years ago and I was trying to explain what cybersecurity was and uh, you know all the other kids are doctors and lawyers and you know one word professions and I used the word stupid to describe like people doing things they probably shouldn't be doing on a computer system and the whole class like he said the s word <laughs> like I'll go with stupid <laughs> oh, man, I love it. that is one of the best answers to that question ever what sound or noise do you love you know, I like music. I like heavy metal music. And it's a hard sound to love. But I, I think I really enjoy uh, the sound of like a, a, a you know, double kick drum in a heavy metal song. What sound or noise do you hate? I don't know if I hate it, but in this office, we have a white noise machine uh, to stop the propagation of noise. And for the longest time, I just thought it was the air conditioner. And I just think that's a ridiculous thing to own. <laughs> What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Truck driving. 
always wanted to be a truck driver. I remember I was in third grade, uh, me and my friend Tommy would get all the truck driving books in the uh, library and just get ready for that truck driving career. I actually have a truck, truck driving simulator at my house. What profession would you not like to do? I don't know. I'd probably try. Probably try any of them. Probably try any of them. Being a doctor seems pretty awful, though. Uh, you know, the whole blood and cutting on people thing, I could probably do without. And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Man, well, hopefully I'm, I'm there by accident. He's like, man, what are you doing here? Go back. Go back. You're not done yet. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, thank you. I've just finished interviewing David Bakke, VP of Strategic Development and OT ICS Cybersecurity Leader at the Red Group. Thank you for all your years of service that we all benefit from, these systems uh, that you're working on. We need them all to keep running. So thank you for all that. Our society benefits from your passion. And uh, thanks for, for agreeing to come on the show and, and share your story. No, it's been a good time. Always uh, welcome the conversation. So appreciate your, your questions and uh, curiosity here. All right. Thanks. Well, stay safe and uh, be well, Dave. Thank you.